He's finishing his senior thesis. Pigman is trying to prove the Kane Hackman theory. No matter what time it is, 24 hours a day, you can find a Michael Kane or a Gene Hackman movie playing on TV. Wait, that's his thesis? Yes. That's the beauty of college these days, Tommy. You can major in Game Boy if you know how to bullshit. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Uncanny Cinema, your home of the bizarre, the obscure, the unloved, the overlooked, and the underappreciated, I believe is how we put it in the past. We're doing a little bit of a special episode here today where I am combining forces with some friends over at Revenge of the 90s. That's a fellow Robot Butt podcast. So I'm being joined by my co-host on Franchise Strikes Back. He's a man of many podcasts, Steve. Hello there. And we also have with us Fabs, who's been on- Go to sleep! Go to sleep! (laughs) There's some serious cross-promotion going on here. Yes. And Hal, Steven. (laughs) So yeah, so this is kind of a special episode. We're doing this as a crossover episode with these gents. So this will air- on the uncanny cinema channel as well as revenge of the 90s you guys are about what uh 30 episodes deep or so this will be yeah this will be like 30 something uh four or 35 probably yeah so yeah look up uh look up revenge of the 90s uh they do a ton of 90s movies i sat in on the fabled 1990s film nothing but trouble wonderful horrendous film nothing but trouble and then they've done all (laughs) kinds of other 90s movies from big blockbusters to smaller films and they just keep going so give that one a shot (laughs) it's a curse a witch cursed us to do every 90s movie (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so we'll launch into uh today's movie here We are looking at PCU, which is our first official comedy, I believe, for Uncanny Cinema. We've done a number of different types of movies, and I try to break things up, do some different different types, different genres. We'll have a good number of horror movies coming up for October, of course. But I do believe this is our first full-fledged comedy. It is a 1994 film by a director named Hart Bachner, who I'm not very familiar with. I looked him up. And he did do the movie High School High, which I think I saw years ago, and also something called Just Add Water, which I had never heard of. So he's not super well known, you know, didn't seem to have a lengthy career in that regard. It's a PG-13 college movie. It stars Jeremy Piven as more or less the lead role and has David Spade and a number of other actors. John Favreau pops up in a supporting role. Gutter. Yeah, do, you, do either of you guys know the actor for the kind of main, the pre-frosh? I don't, yeah, I don't he's from uh, Great Outdoors. Oh, you're right. Okay. Yeah, I, I so saw I him. I was that, super psyched. So I don't know that kid's name, but uh, that kid's in it. Chris Young. Okay. Steve, uh, <laughs> so with the research. All right, but so yeah, PCU, <laughs> the basic crux of it is uh, 1994 or 93. I think it might have gotten delayed at some point, but it's a college comedy it focuses on a college campus and in the midst of like 90s PC culture. So PCU is playing off of that. And also it, it's a fictitious college with those initials. And we follow a pre-frosh, which is a term that I've only ever heard uh, tied to PCU. I've never heard that in college or anything, but maybe it's something that exists. 
It follows this character who comes for a college visit to PCU and he comes across a lot of characters, a lot of characters with causes, political causes, and he also comes across kind of an Animal House-esque non-fraternity that uh, Jeremy Piven is sort of a mix of Bluto with Otter from Animal House. He's kind of the madman that Bluto is with the kind of like wise-ass, um, smart-ass that uh, Otter is. So uh, He's also kind of, kind of like mashup. a Van Wilder. He's kind yeah. of Van Wilder, too, because like, I think Van Wilder went to school for seven years, and uh, Jeremy Piven says that he's been there for seven years. Yeah, it's a, a six or seven or something. Yeah, but it's a similar length, I think. Yeah, so he's got a little bit of that sprinkled in. But yeah, so that's the basic crux of it. It's this kid going through and meeting these different groups and kind of pissing them off inadvertently, and he kind of, he's finding himself with this group, which is referred to as the pit. It's the the house that they live in is the pit. And so it's just different conflicting groups that are kind of warring with each other and antics ensue. So what do we think of the film PCU boys? Well, as a big fan of uh, just add water, I was excited to see, um, I've never heard of that movie before. So, I, <laughs> yeah. Um, so this was this was a fun rewatch. Um, I actually had this is only the second time I'd seen it. I originally watched it in college. A mutual friend, Danny Cox, uh, had me watch it with him, and um, it's like quintessential college viewing. It's it it was way funnier than I remember it being too. Like it it held up remarkably well, and. Um, the first time I saw it would have been like late 2000s, like 2008, 2009. And I think it, it held up really well now because we kind of have come back around with cancel culture. And so it's it, that part, that component was a lot funnier. And yeah, it definitely I always, has a little bit more relevance. Because it does. Yeah. We, it weirdly 27, 26 years later, it like comes full circle, I think. Um, and it was like, it's kind of like an animal house for like the next generation um, with the things that the values we hold true in college in the 90s versus animal house was that like 50s style of like the big fraternity versus non-fraternity or fraternity versus schleppy, like rundown fraternity was like the big, always the big crux of everything in those like movies that took place in that era. Um, so this is kind of a cool like, because in this world, fraternities have been banned at this at this campus, um, so that was like no longer a thing. So now it's it's just a different group. So it was kind of that uh, what you get in the in the high school movies that became popular in the late nineties, where you like it was it was that total introduction where the pre frosh is the avatar going around campus with with our you know our narrator with uh, uh, Jeremy Piven meeting the different like this is like the whole campus serves as the cafeteria. And so that was like yeah. a really that that was such a fun component of it is meeting all the crazy groups. Other movie that I thought of that this actually feels a lot like too is that movie Waiting, um, where you're you're through the eyes of like this character Tom actually speaks, unlike the character in Waiting. But like Ryan Reynolds and Jeremy Piven play si similar characters where they're like too cool for school kind of guys, um, and he shows him the ropes, and you get to meet all this cast of characters and stuff and. So actually, as a, a full disclosure, I, this is the first time I ever see, I've ever seen PCU. And so as I was watching it, I was seeing all these sort of like influences before and after. And I was surprised. I was surprised how funny this movie was without it having to be. Obviously, I'm a big fan of gross out humor, 
Um, but I was, I was very surprised at how well written the script was and, and the jokes that were in it. I, I, it's very much like the college movie for grunge culture. Um, but, but it still has all like the mainstays of like college movies that I love. Like it shows that college is college is essentially just this like utterly depraved place (laughs) and which, you know, at times it is. And then I love that there is of course the university college president, that is of course somehow known to all students and is like the, is like a villain to all students like i absolutely love that that they always make like the dean or a college president hey we we knew who roderick mcdavis was yeah but he wasn't showing up to our anything uh, houses yeah and causing trouble that was the biggest shock i was just waiting for for roderick mcdavis to always show up to my house parties and tell me like you guys have to move out on Monday unless you yeah. <laughs> this house is condemned. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, and I think like Jeremy Piven just is awesome in this. I, I think he's always just been such a good comedic actor and this movie, like, I think this movie probably isn't as good as it is without him just because he's doing so much with what he's given. I was sending Linton bef- while we were talking about this movie, I was sending him screenshots of like, jeremy piven's face in this because he does some like really bizarre stuff um but i don't you know it's like they were much better than some of the other screenshots steve tends to send (laughs) (laughs) they are nasty um but no i i think i was just very pleasantly surprised at how fun a movie this is for being kind of like a pg-13 college movie steve how many uh what what sketchy ass check site did you have to watch this movie on because it's not available anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this movie is nowhere to be found on any streaming services. And so I was watching it on it might have been called like TV Zone or something like that and it was like a Stars Rip and I was getting so I had to keep exiting out of ads so in the top many ads. right. <laughs> so many women in my uh so many women in my area wanted to meet up for sex. It was remarkable. I had to tell him I couldn't. I had to finish the movie. So I yeah, had to tell him I have to no. prepare for a podcast, baby. Maybe next time. Yeah, that's that's uh I, I wanna talk about like how I came to the movie, but that is worth noting that this movie not only is it not super well known, I mean I think I think there's kind of a narrow window how I knew about it and how I think some people out there might have known about it. But if you weren't within that window, you probably wouldn't know about it because yeah, uh streaming sites not having it is not a surprise to me. It is not on Blu-ray. And I looked it up out of curiosity because I do own a DVD of it. I've had a DVD of it for years, probably before I went to uh, to college because I had a pretty sizable DVD collection, like pretty much out of the gate. So I probably got PCU pretty early, probably in preparation for college. Um, but it looks like the DVD is out of print. So you could get like a, you know, I, wow. I think you could get, I think you can get a, you know, probably just like a used copy somewhere. I don't think people are selling it for like $80 or anything. But it doesn't look like they have, you know, like new copies, at least on Amazon, maybe other places. I don't know. But but yeah, uh, me with PCU is a little bit different. I actually saw this movie. I'm a little surprised Fabs hadn't seen it. I'm almost positive I saw this movie originally on HBO. I'm pretty sure this played on HBO regularly after it came out. Part of, we talked about this with Nothing But Trouble, of how uh, we're kind of alluded to it. HBO, I think while they would have and probably still have great big blockbuster movies, I think they're also used as a dumping grounds for various studio things where it's like, oh, well, you want Back to the Future? You also have to take this. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, so I ended up, I grew, I, I grew up watching a lot of weird movies that I never would have seen in the theater as my parents wouldn't have taken me as a kid. You wouldn't have seen them. Uh, it wouldn't have been something you sought out or even would have been aware of. And as an adult, you probably wouldn't have been tracking these things down or coming across them, but you're just, as a kid, you're just like, oh, I don't know, this is on TV. So uh, what's this? Right. And so that's how I saw Nothing But Trouble, which we had talked about. And that's how I saw PCU. I'm almost positive it was on HBO pretty regularly. Because this, yeah, so, because this, um, I think it cost, I think it said maybe like eight million and it made four, which that's not good. Um, that is, that's so, awful. <laughs> yeah, so it, you know, I mean, and comedies are n- notoriously cheap uh, to produce and, you don't have to do a whole lot to get a successful comedy as long as you like kind of, you know, hit a little bit. So it made half its budget back according to Amazon. I think that's what I or according to Wikipedia. I think that's what I saw. So, yeah. So it was likely one of those movies where it was like, oh, well, this is a total failure. So I don't know. We'll bundle this with whatever else we're selling HBO. But, yeah, so I grew up watching it from that. And then I think Comedy Central used to run it later, maybe you know, five years later or something I was reading up on this a little bit and they were saying that a, a lot of people found it through watching it on Comedy Central so I would have already seen it I'm almost positive it was HBO but then I probably was like catching bits and pieces on Comedy Central so I've known about PCU <clears throat> since I was probably like 10 uh 10 or 11 so this is like my introduction to college life via film was seeing PCU and I I do have to say like there are a lot of things that are pretty dead on that like I oh, yeah. all owe you. Yeah. And I feel there's a lot of, it's heightened obviously, but I think there's a lot of vibes to it that it's like, yeah, this is, this is very comparable. This is very reasonable presentation of college life. And the only other note that I'll give for my PCU background is, so I was well aware of it. When I went to college, I actually didn't go to Ohio university first I, my first semester, I went to Notre Dame, the University of Notre what? Dame. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a real nightmare. You don't want to go there. But anyway, <laughs> so that's why I stopped. Um, he had well, to leave. I, he, killed, he killed Rudy. We'll have to have him on the Rudy podcast. <laughs> oh, I love yeah. Rudy. I'll, I'll absolutely be on the Rudy podcast. Okay. Good to know. Uh, I love Rudy the movie. I don't like Notre Dame the institution. But um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I was there for my first semester before I transferred to OU and as part of like the first semester as like a big freshman, I mean, it wasn't just for freshmen, for anyone, but they were definitely doing it as like a opening of the year concert, like OU and other colleges will do. They'll have some kind of big event. They had fucking George Clinton and the Parliament Funkadelic. And so <laughs> I got to go see George Clinton and the Parliament Funkadelic as a freshman at Notre Dame of all fucking places. That's and amazing. so I'm just like the whole time I'm just like, I mean, PCU, that's what this is. And it was a cool show. He was, uh, he was badass and cool as uh, you know, he is depicted here. So that's my connection with PCU, but we can dive into. (laughs) I like that. You just like, you just assumed that George Clinton was just playing at all colleges. (laughs) When I was a freshman, when I was a freshman, I had, my my big concert was Vanilla Ice played at, in a giant conference room, like I a conference center. I didn't I didn't yeah. go to that show, but I heard about it. Yeah. I remember that show. Yeah, oh yeah. I remember the show went, was supposed to be like horrible that he like messed up a bunch of songs, like lyrics wise and stuff. Of course, 
He was, I, and he did the uh, he did uh, the ninja rap like twenty five times, and <laughs> oh, was inviting nice. girl was inviting girls up on the stage during it, and it was just in like a giant ballroom with a tiny stage, and there were only, like a hundred people there, so it's just kind of like, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna like strag, I'm gonna be a straggler and just kind of like walk out of the room. Oh, but yeah, it amazing. was it was bizarre. Yeah, it was weird. My my big show was when Bernie Mac like was supposed to come, but it was actually a scam, and people bought tickets for a fake Bernie Mac like. <laughs> comedy special at, on campus <laughs> and it was like a like a thousand people bought tickets and no like Ber- bernie mac never was coming <laughs> that's a sad story oh i love bernie but, mac but like i'm like a total sucker for any any movie that has like a college campus like any parts of the movie that are on like the quad or where you get to be like on the college green like i I don't care how bad the movie is. I'll like watch for that part. Like once they get to another location, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, unless I like the movie, I'll be like, okay, I'm, I'm good. But like, there's something about that. Like, it's like the magic of the college green. I love like seeing that, that visually uh, because they're all so unique and like different. They all have their own little, like fun little architectural thing. Um, and that was like one of the things that drew me into OU was like, you know, the college green there is insane. And I visited in the fall and then on, like you go there in the fall to do your, summer, your, uh, your like college visit. You're, you're like, here's your money. Um, I'm, I'm staying. Oh, yeah. It's, it's magic. Well, my, uh, not, not to make this entire podcast about our college memories, but it's probably going to go there. But, uh, it's funny you say that. Cause like my friend, Eric, he's from Maryland and he applied to different schools, like, you know, on the East coast or whatever. And I've asked him about this and he said like, that he applied to OU, I think, kind of on a whim. I don't think he had, like, a strong reason. And he ended up doing some campus visits, and then one of them was OU. And when he got there and was walking around, I was like, yeah, I'm just going here. Like, it was just like – and he's from Maryland. Like, it was – so it was, like, a ridiculous drive. Yeah. Just away from everyone he knows. Like, but I'm going here. And, yeah. Yeah, so yeah that was Ohio my, University, my same thing. If you have it. <laughs> Can we yeah. have some money now? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's it's such a, it is like such a, a strikingly beautiful campus, but it's also just like a great small town that's like quirky and fun and great food, great local people, uh, artistic community. Um, the drive there is like amazingly beautiful, and also like if you like drinking, the bar scene there is like super fun. So I mean it's and it's just isolated. It's like a total like college bubble it's it's you know the the college bubble that's like it's it's exactly what it is and they have the greatest halloween party in the world which mm-hmm. would put the pcu parties to shame the yeah shit to shame. <laughs> that's what was so funny though that's like like comparing some of the like depravity at ou that like i've, I've i went through with like a lot of our mutual friends you know um i was just like oh this is yeah i this isn't that crazy. Like, all right, cool. Like <laughs> other than like George Clinton, obviously showing up, but it just like the, cra- like, because that's what was so weird about this movie is like the, the groups were so polarized with one another that they, they hadn't had a party in years because nobody could get along or be around one another long enough to have a social gathering. That was like a fun social gathering. And so that's like the big, you know, like we're going to get into it, but that's the big moment in the movie is this giant campus party that ends up happening. Um, so it was, it's interesting. Like it, that was fun to watch. Like I, I'm also a sucker for a big college party in, in a movie. Like 
that's why I love old school so much that Snoop Dogg party. It's just mm-hmm. the best. <laughs> well, yeah, let's, uh, you're leading into some good stuff there. Let's talk a little bit about the structure of this. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk more on characters and more on specific comedic bits coming up. But yeah, one thing I think we all noted was how, and Steve said this on the top of the show here, how good the script actually is for what this movie is. Like this movie, I would argue, doesn't need to try that hard to be a raucous college comedy. Like Animal House obviously is the gold standard and is, is pretty well written for what it is. And then there's a thousand knockoffs of Animal House and most of them are dog shit. But even the ones that are bad still made money a, a lot of the time. You know, they, they didn't need to do much to be successful to turn a profit. This movie sadly did not turn a profit. But I would say it they really were trying to make something good. And I think it shows in the script. Yeah, it's, you know, it doesn't rely on, like, gross out humor. Uh, like I was saying, like, it's not something where, you know, because it's... I, I always appreciate comedies that <clears throat> could be rated R but aren't and still try to... Like, they purposely box themselves in, possibly to just make more money. But... Um, it, it's a different challenge when you, when you have to make something that's PG 13 and still like, they say some stuff in this. Um, but I'm thinking of another movie, like the, the other guys comes to mind. Cause that's a PG 13 comedy. That's just like fantastic. There's just so many bits that are funny. And as I was writing down some notes for this, even if it wasn't even like my first time watching it, there were so many just lines that just, I remember uh, or I, I was just rattling off and remembered immediately after watching it, like, oh, that was funny. That was funny. Um, you know, like Jessica Walters in this. And when she just says, you know, uh, the truth, McPherson, is you disgust me. Like, that's just such a good line delivered by what who we now know is Lucille, Lucille Bluth. But <laughs> like, there are just so many lines like that that are just like, it's just well written. It's a great joke. And and I think that that's a that's something that like it kind of does baffle. I mean, if this was a movie that was more accessible, I think these are things that are just so quotable. And it does surprise me that you know it's probably a very like small subset of people who like comedy that like rattle off these lines. But like, I was surprised at how quotable this movie felt. Yeah. Well, what's cool about it is this is like an ultimate like cult comedy classic because i've heard these quotes before seeing this movie like he's an animal um the no classes before 11 uh the bit about don't don't be the guy to wear the the shirt of the band you're going to see yeah like those are things that slowly like made their way like i think it's just like a slow fan effect like they made their way out and people didn't know where they originated from and like i'm sure they're not wholly original to this movie but like this movie is like the first time I've seen them and I heard it before these, before I saw this movie. And so like, obviously it did leave an imprint with the writing um, that it created these quotable moments that would go on to either be copied by other people in more popular movies. Like that would be in late nineties, early two thousands. Um, or they just, people held on to them and kind of spread it around. Um, especially like the, the band shirt thing is like, that's a bit I've heard a thousand times, oh, yeah. but it's fantastic. yeah, it's great. And that also was, this movie. Oh, so good. Was, uh, oh, I was going to say that I, uh, from what I understand that was uh, ad-libbed improv, but okay. Yeah. Hmm. 
That's amazing. Like yeah. also the, my favorite thing about this movie is I'm also a sucker for a movie that takes place in one day. Like days and confused is one of my oh, yeah. favorite movies. And the fact that they're able to have a raucous college comedy where you meet all these different groups, but they do it in a pretty organic way of using the prefresh mm-hmm. and it, and you meet them over the course of one day and they all converge on this one like giant event at the end of the movie is like really cool. And I haven't really seen any of the other college comedies. High school is usually like, you know, because high school is the, has the defining moment of like, it's like the last day of school or it's like the, it's prom where there's that, like, we're never going to be around each other ever again. So they like to, they'll tend to do the, like, the movie happening over the course of a day or a couple of days. College typically isn't, doesn't have that mentality. Um, so the, it was really neat to see a college movie that was set over the course of one day. Yeah, no, it's a fun device to work with. Um, I, I, but, and I, and you were mentioning like meeting the characters, all the like supporting characters organically. That was something that I liked because it does have this payoff in it where the movie kind of feels like, you know, Oh, he, he meets the, um, you know, all the cause heads, he meets, you know, the, the Frisbee players, he does, he does this and this, and it, and it kind of feels like these are just sort of like little bits throughout the movie. But the fact that it all converges at like this giant party and everybody has, you know, the time of their life. And that's, you know, what brings everybody together. I thought that that was a fun, a fun way to like actually tie in every other element of the movie to where it doesn't just feel like loose strings sort of just to make some jokes. Um, You know, even like gutter being a, you know, stoner who (laughs) just kind of screws up. Like, you know, like I've never like been one to just like love stoner comedies and like that and like stoner characters, but gutter's really interesting and kind of funny. And, uh, you know, the, he, you know, he, he struggles with like not wanting to smoke and then he does. And then, then he's just like lying on a sidewalk for most of the day. And (laughs) like, I think in like a nor in like a lesser, honestly, in like a lesser movie that would just kind of be like, yeah, whatever. Like that was kind of a fun bit. And then he just shows up at the party. It's like, whatever. But like that, that leads him to George Clinton leads them to the party. Like there's all these, like, everything's motivated. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's great to see. I love that. And there's like one note I had was that all the characters are, are the primary characters. There are stakes and they have things that they want. Uh, and then another aspect I wanted to comment on with yours, Fabs, was you were talking about it takes place over one day and that they're building out all these different groups and the whole college campus. The movie's only 80 minutes long. So yeah. they're doing this like in a very quick, breezy kind of fashion. I mean, you could arguably add 20 minutes to this movie and like probably find some good comedy and like you, you could do more. But I don't feel that it like is over too soon or anything, but it's it definitely I think is even more impressive that they're able to make these groups kind of come alive as their own entities in what is usually about as slim a runtime as any movie gets like 80 minutes. That's about as you know, that was like you get. 80 minutes with credits. I was, it was like, it's like 76 minutes long. It's yeah. crazy, but it doesn't feel like that. Like you said, it feels like a really, it's a really tight contained story and it, and it has all the elements that you'd be looking for in a, in a college movie. So I think it, you know, it doesn't need to be any longer than that. It's just wild 
you don't see that anymore. Every movie's got to be two hours and 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and so, yeah, so many, many things happen. There's, there's so many, many bits, but it's cool because they're not just like many one-off jokes. Like they're not like these family guy jokes that like don't contribute to anything. They're all bits that are going to later contribute to the characters being at that final party. So it's like, you think some of them might be these one-offs where the pre-frosh is running from the ga- the group of people chasing him, and then he trips over. Um, and this is like a thing that doesn't hold up well. But everybody in the computer lab writing their like final theses, and oh, you know yeah. these old ass computers all unplug, and everyone loses their thesis. So that's another group of people that hates him. So like that's like a funny bit. But then like those people are going to be in the movie, like the rest of the movie, and they're going to be like always in the background. So it's it was it's it's cool. Like I. This is just like a really cool, fun movie, and I, I just I can't wait to watch it again on that sketchy site once my computer is back from the shop. <laughs> when I uh, I mentioned like the stakes because pretty much all the primary characters have something that they are fighting for that they want to get. So the people of the pit want to. It, it's a very Animal House double secret probation type deal where they're going to be kicked out if they don't come up with enough money to save their house because of all these like infractions that they have incurred uh, over time. And so they have to have this big party in you know, the back half of the movie. So that's their motivation. Then you've got this underground right-wing fraternity that's like modeled <laughs> after Skull and Bones. It has the jokey name of Balls and Shaft. But it's supposed to be these like Republicanite, uh, all white male dudes who, as Fab said, the uh, uh, Greek life sororities fraternities were banned decades ago uh, within the world of this movie, uh, you know, on this campus. And so they went underground and they want to regain the house that became the pit. And if the people of the pit get kicked out of there, they can take it over. And then you have Jessica Walters character is the university president. And she's trying to sort of like, uh, she wants to get rid of the pit just because they just piss her off and they create a lot of problems on campus. And she's also trying to do a big, it's a 200. Yeah, the bicentennial. Yeah, bicentennial. Yeah. So she's yep. doing this big 200th uh, anniversary celebration. And so she needs this like kind of big day. So those are kind of your central groups. And then um, and then the pre-frosh is basically there to just find out about campus, but also arguably find himself. And he keeps coming across all these different groups that he's pissing off. And the one group that he's really not pissing off is the people of the pit because they're presented as kind of like laid back and fun loving. And, you know, they don't, they don't know what to make of him at first, but then it's kind of like, Oh, you know, he's okay. And so he eventually finds his people. He's, you know, arguably our lead. It's, I mean, Piven or him, you know, you could, you could make a case or a dual protagonist kind of thing. But, uh, but yeah, it's like as a comedy script, it operates pretty surprisingly because even like a movie like Anchorman, which I absolutely love is a movie. That's basically just a bunch of loose bits. Like there's a mm-hmm. very, there's a, you know, there's a plot, there's some things that happen and you know, that Will Ferrell's character gets kicked out at a certain point, but the ambition in this script to actually give characters agency and things that they give a shit about and things that they want and they're trying to achieve I would say is pretty impressive for a comedy because you don't need to try this hard. I mean, well, it still didn't succeed, but still like on a, on a, on the page it's, and on the screen, it's, it's very impressive. Well, and I think it says something too, that the characters and what 
they're talking about and and you know every obviously uh, PC culture is a huge aspect of this movie because it's in the title. Um, but, you know, it's, it was so crazy. You mentioned the Balls and Shaft uh, group. And it was like, was this movie written now? Because the everything they say are things that I've seen right-wing commentators and the absolute toxic sludge of the internet talk about. Um and on the other end, I think that it's it's also, you know, I think there is like this, um, you know, you mentioned, I think, cancel culture fabs at the beginning. I think there is a tendency to, you know, people, people jump on every cause. People are, you know, against everything and essentially, you know, against nothing, you know, it, it, or for everything, for nothing, that kind of thing. You know, nobody can, nobody really knows what to make of anything. Nobody really has like a true cause. It's just like, yeah, um, save everything, do this. And nobody without like really thinking too deep about it, you know, people on something starts trending on Twitter and everybody jumps on it. And then it was like, Oh wait, no, that was actually, we should be, we should have been against that when we were for it, that kind of yeah. thing. And um, then, the, then the next week there's something else. And so, and then I think like, I think like a lot of people who are genuinely like, you know, for something or, you know, passionate about something sometimes take themselves too seriously. And I think that this movie pokes fun at that um, because, you know, at the end of the movie, everybody loosens up and goes to a party and it's like, yeah, you know what? We can spend a couple hours hanging out and having a good time. Um, and I think that that's also something that this movie does well is that it, it shines a light on both ends of the spectrum. One is more, one is a more lighthearted look at people who actually care about stuff and should just maybe not take themselves so seriously. And then the other end is straight up evil trash, you know, <laughs> yes. Nazis, you know, so, yes. so there's two ways to look at, you know, there's like well, one so, fun way, but yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, that's interesting. I, I definitely want to dive into the politics of it because it's front and center of this movie. And we've talked about how it, it plays interestingly today. I was looking up some things. I saw one article. I don't know if it was on Slate or Vulture or something. I, I can't remember, but it was someone who was, who was a fan of PCU and they were revisiting it. And they were talking about how they still thought it was good and still thought it was funny, but they thought some of the politics of it, they weren't saying that it was like bad, but they were questioning certain aspects in terms of how the lefties are being presented or, or how the people who are caring about a cause and that it'd be troubling. They were talking about it being both sidesism type of thing. And I actually, so I thought about that after watching the movie and I actually don't think it operates that way. I think... I think the the cause people, which are predominantly all like leftists, I think they are poked fun at. I think we are supposed to like, you know, get comedy out of that. But in the end, they go to that party and they're hanging out. And I think their common politics more or less overlap with the people of the pit. Like the people of the pit, yeah. I don't like people of the pit are not right wing. They're not awful extremists. They're just kind of like, oh, you know, we're just going to hang out and have fun. And I think, but politically, there's certain little lines by characters of the pit that give me an indication. Like, I don't know, when George Clinton tells that female bassist or guitarist, she has his back to him. Like, he says something about that. She's trying to tune her guitar and he says something like, oh, you almost got it. And she's like, I think I know how to tune my fucking guitar. She turns around and then she realizes yeah. George Clinton. But it's just like very much kind of like, you know, don't I'm in a band. Don't fucking talk down to me. You know, like, yeah. So there's yeah. little moments like that. And 
I think, so for me, the villains are clearly the conservative people. And then you have Jessica Walters, who is presented as sort of leftist, but really reads more to me as just like a just total ambitious opportunity. Yeah, power hungry. Yeah. Right. And so they're, to me, they're the actual villains of the movie and they're the ones that actually get punished. The people who are the PC culture don't get punished. Nothing bad happens to them. And they actually like, have a good time. So I, I feel like the politics of the movie, I think they had, my guess is they intentionally were worried about, well, wait, we don't want to say supporting, you know, like vegetarianism is the same thing as being against minorities. So I think they were very right. careful in that. I feel the PC people almost operate independent. Yeah. Yeah. And all the PC people, I mean, they're, they're all these like micro groups and they're the only thing they do that's antagonistic antagonistic is they're chasing the pre-fresh. Um, I mean, they're slightly getting in the way, like the, the feminist group kind of like tries to protect, uh, they like create a wall to protect uh, Jeremy Piven's ex-girlfriend, but none of it's ever like very hostile. Cause you know, like, Oh, they're probably going to end up together. And you, when you get these little like one minute scenes where you meet each of the like PC groups and follow them throughout the movie, the stakes are never very high other than just like what their direct cause is. And with the, the balls and shaft like fraternity, I mean, they're immediately dropping down like these lines of like, like racism. And you're just like, Oh wow. This is like, this is taking it to like another level. Like these guys are clearly other than just the motivation of like trying to, uh, to throw out, you know, the members of the pit who, who we are obviously like, rooting for this this band of um uh underdogs um uh, beyond just that you know uh because like in a normal college movie in animal house like the the villains in that they're there's not much beyond just like oh they're a rival fraternity who is like you know uh probably doing well uh doing better economic come from like wealthier families but this one there is there is more beyond just like they are well to do uh, rich kids you know they they have this uh I, mainly david spade is like the one who is like leading them because they're, a well, lot of them are villains yeah like a lot of them like there's the one who's just like a total moron who is the bartender but yeah david spade definitely leads the charge of like uh you don't belong here like you're not a white like wealthy person and his final like thing he says at the end of the movie on the on the stage that that's where it takes it even further. And, and so, yeah, they, they are these outright villains beyond just like a normal, it was strange. Cause it was, I forgot because it had been like 11 years since I'd seen that movie, this movie. Um, I forgot that they had this level to them beyond just like, we want to get our house back. It is a, it goes to that like next level of like, Oh, they are like alt right. Like yeah, well, the, and, and the movie makes it really clear. Uh, I mean, you you have Jessica Walters' character outright calling him a Republican at one point. So they they don't at no other point do they like talk about political parties, but she just like says it in a like a an offhand way in kind of like because she's presented as as leftist, but like we said, like pretty ambitious. But so she states that you have the black member of the pit refers to them as being like the Klan at one point. Mm -hmm. You have, yep. but but then there's a couple lines specifically from Spade. Uh, there's the big tirade at the end uh, where he just like doesn't know he's miked and he just calls. I mean, it's 
it's toned down from what it could be in an R, but he's, you know, he's definitely throwing out epithets toward people, um, you know, in the PC, the other PC groups. But he has, he has a line where he talks about, like, you can't coerce women into sex anymore. And he's saying it like it's, you know, like, we need to get back to the good old days. And then he's mm. trying to get into his underground fraternity, and he has to answer a number of questions at the door from the dumb guy who, like, won't let him in. And one of the questions is, they killed Jesus Christ, to which he yells through the door, who are the Jews? And, you know, so it just really sets up, you know, like, I mean, from that early interaction, it's like, yeah, okay, this, this is a, these are real bad guys here. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think this was like also written to think like, boy, isn't it, wouldn't it be crazy if people thought like this still, because like, we need to make, we need to make like bad, like we need to very clearly make villains here. So it's like, let's, let's make these characters say and believe stuff that like in 1994, you know this is going out of style. This is, this yeah. is something that people we're too progressive now to believe in this stuff. And 26 years later, it's like pretty disheartening to, to think about how many people have said, all how many people things. are wearing balls and shaft shirts now saying like yeah. they yeah. had it right. Yeah. He, I mean, uh, he runs, he runs Breitbart now, David Spade's character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah there, there's like 20 David Spades as anchors on OAN. America's news network. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's that must mean it's unbiased. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, where do we why do we think it didn't connect? I know we have some theories on why it didn't work. We can dive into some of the jokes and stuff coming up, but let's uh yeah, let's hit we we talk a lot about like the script working really well, um, that we like the characters, we like a lot of what the movie's doing and that it has some interesting things to say, but why did this fail? I wonder if I mean it got like about 50 50 on the reviews. Um, I know Linton, you are not a disciple of rotten tomatoes. Um, mm. <laughs> I do. I use it as something of a barometer. I, I, I do think it's like fairly accurate. I think, you know, it got about 50 50 on its reviews. Um, I think the fact that it had as small a budget as it did probably means that it didn't have much marketing behind it. And I know that doesn't always make a difference with movies, but I just wonder if, it's just one. I mean, honestly, it could just be one of those movies that came and went. Uh, it became, you know, a cult classic in a way. But the fact that you mentioned that it's it's never been on Blu-ray, which I think I find astounding that it's never been on Blu-ray, uh, especially for it being a Jeremy Piven led vehicle when he was like at his height of powers in Entourage. I cannot believe that like it never came out. Not yeah. even one of those like combined Blu-rays of like here's four movies we need to offload, which you see some right. back to school and PCU, yes, right. And uh, the fact that it's not on any streaming, like no streaming service, which is all streaming services are absolutely hungry for content. It blows my mind that you cannot find it anywhere. So I think this movie might not exist. Everyone, I just want to put that out there. We may have <laughs> dreamed all of this. <laughs> <laughs> i i you know we actually were just watching like a live feed in a hostel steve <laughs> i might be a, this might be a fever dream but you know i i yeah i don't know i think it's just one of those movies that fell through the cracks i i you know obviously i was six years old 1994 so i can't say that i was this was on my radar um but maybe it was just one of those you know comedies that 
because PG thirteen comedies do exist in a weird realm sometimes. Um, they they do today, where PG thirteen, you know, people who are older look at it as like kiddie stuff, and then people who would be of the age to see it want to see the R as well. You know, it just and I know a lot of studios do PG thirteen so that it can bring in as wide an audience as possible. But there's that possibility as well. I don't really know, but I feel like it would have a much bigger shelf life and a, a, like, this would be ripe for like Netflix. If you put this movie on Netflix, it would be in their top 10 immediately Yeah, because it's got, it's got names, people you recognize. I mean, the comedic talent is since this movie came out, yeah, Jeremy Piven, Jessica Walter, David Spader, your three main comedic actors that came from this movie. You could, this movie would do fantastic on a streaming service like Netflix because they had a, they have arrested development. They have, a shit ton of David Spade movies now that Especially Adam Sandler is making stuff. Some kind so of like back, to, I mean, COVID obviously is an issue, but if you did some kind of back to school featurette, like they do yep. those like number of movies and you just like listed right. a bunch of college and high school movies and stuff. And you put that, people would be like, PCU, what's this? So yep. yeah. I, I, yeah. On that. I find it very fascinating that, that it just exists, exists in the ether. So I have a couple of theories. I think one, it came out in 94 and especially back then, you know, with limited limited viewing options, you know, there wasn't obviously streaming or anything. There are only so many films that are independent films that are going to do well in a given year now. But in 1994, the the fact that you had Quirks and Pulp Fiction do as well as they did, having a third one like kick total butt was probably going to be very unlikely. And Quirks was already taking the comedy spot, essentially. Um, then the the biggest comedies that year were The Flintstones, The Mask, and Mrs. Doubtfire, which were all like super family friendly, family oriented movies. Um, so I think it honestly like has nothing to do with anything other than just like a bad year of coming out. Like if it comes out in 1992 same year as Wayne's world two, you like the grunge thing is like really big. I think it does great. Or if it comes out in 98 or 97, a few years later when high school movies get big again. So then there's at least that tie in. I think it, mm-hmm. it, it does really well at that point then, because then um, if they held on to it and uh, swingers comes out, you know, like a year or two later, then John Favreau's like kind of becoming a bigger star. Then it's like, Oh, we have this movie where he plays like this total, like insane animal. And I forgot John Favreau too. Yeah. 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 And so then, then you have him coming like, so yeah, if the movie comes out in 1998, it it does really well. So I think it's, I think honestly, it just came down to uh, nothing but like it coming out in a bad year for like a college comedy and it having to split the, the probability of like independent films doing well with like two of the bigger independent film success stories of all time. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I uh, as you're rattling some off, I think Dumb and Dumber was '94 or '95, and so that's that's a PG-13 comedy. Um, you know, so if it was '94, it would have been to some degree competing with that. If it's '95, it's just showing that you know something could make its way because that was a success. I don't know its like total dollar amount, but it was obviously like a, a success at the time and had cultural cachet. But yeah, the the more family-friendly angle might be an aspect. And then Steve talked about the PG-13 being something. I wondered if this movie was an R 
if it would have drawn more people, if people would have been like, oh, well, this is going to be like a raunchy comedy. And I, I do think it succeeds without being an R. And for those of you who haven't seen it, like it's not tame. It doesn't feel defanged. Like they talk about sex. They talk about drugs. People do drugs in it, uh, you know, a few times. There's a bunch of drinking. There's definitely language throughout. It's more of like, if I could compare it to something, it's more like if, you, if you've ever watched any old timey Hollywood movies, like 30s and 40s, when they couldn't talk about shit and they had to allude to things and they had to be more clever in how they presented it. That's, this feels in a similar kind of vein of like, they probably were shooting for PG-13. They wanted to pick college life without totally dumbing it down. But they know, well, okay, we probably can't have a ton of nudity scenes and we can't be like super explicit with sex, but they still address those things and they're still a part of the plot. So I feel watching it, you never feel like it's, it's not like you're watching Saved by the Bell. We're like watching that as an adult. You're like, wow, that's not high school at all. But as a <laughs> yeah. kid, you're just kind of like, oh, sucks. okay, whatever. But like, you know, yeah. as an adult, like, well, no, people you know, language is different and relationships are, you know, like so much as, so nothing here feels false. Uh, it doesn't feel like they're pulling punches. And I think that's also impressive is that while you, while you're aware of it, you're not sitting there and this like, they aren't dropping fuck every 10 minutes or something. Like you don't hear that. And you're not seeing nudity. I also don't feel like you're watching something that's sanitized, but I do wonder yeah. if that having that R stamped on it would have helped it. I don't know. Yeah, and I will say uh, on on another note, if you are currently listening to this and you're like, I, I really should go buy this movie, um, I would suggest eBay because you can get a DVD for about twenty five bucks, and oh on Amazon, God. on Amazon the DVD ranges from seventy dollars to one hundred and sixty dollars. Man, I, I got so <laughs> this is my new retirement plan. Criteria, yeah, the criterion that's, that's crazy. Right. P also selling PCP. Yeah, that's PCP. Also I'm glad. I'm glad that didn't get missed. That that deserves to be commented on. Yes. <laughs> so what? Uh, so what bits? What do we really like? We've talked about some things. Go ahead, Steve. Oh no, I. You know, you just mentioned the fact that this movie doesn't have you know any nudity. It doesn't have you know just balls to the wall explicit language it doesn't have like real raunchy stuff going on um i th i think i i i really appreciate it for just how it's written like uh the uh what i mentioned the one line from jessica walter when she says that mcpherson discuss her and that's a very funny line um and obviously there's a lot of lines that i could pick but i think jeremy piven is like a comedic force in this because i think if you remove him from the equation in this movie it's a far not worse. I wouldn't say worse, but it's just, it's just, he's the driving comedic force of this movie. Um, and I mean, and, and it's really evidenced in something as simple as a line where at the beginning of the movie, uh, Tom, who is the prefrosh, uh, is being introduced to all these zany characters. And he goes, he's trying to like get a grip on the situation. And he's like, but hold on a second. Did, did I even tell you that I'm from Delaware? And Jeremy Piven goes, really? And he makes this like crazy face, which is one of the screenshots I sent you. And it's like, I've been repeating that to myself ever since I heard that line. I just like, I'm going to use it in life moving forward. It's just going to be part of it. 
And I think that that's something that's just, you know, some comedic actors just have that ability to do a facial expression or is just some, like you were saying that line with gutter was improv where he's talking about like the band shirt. Yeah. There's just like, that's just magic. That's just like comedic magic. And I feel like there's just so many moments in this that feel like that to me where I'm watching a young Jeremy Piven and I'm like, this dude is going to be a big comedic star. I don't really know what happened there. I mean, he was, he was obviously Ari and entourage and he was in some like smaller comedies that were good. Serendipity. I mean, he's in some good stuff, you know, it's uh, I think there's other like nefarious, like uh, darker things at play based on like, I think he got me too. So yeah, that well, could have been probably it. Probably me too himself. I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah right exactly yeah he wasn't like a victim here to so, be clear <laughs> yeah i'm not on his side here but i i've always thought he's just like a fantastic comedic actor so i i think he's just awesome in this very funny yeah he he has a, like a really good manic energy to him um where he he's just like a guy like we all know somebody in our life who you're just like dude like what is this person where they, they're just like, they're nonstop talking, nonstop, like hookup and like hooking up, like, like they have the hookup with everything. They, they feel like they are like several years older. And in this case he is, cause he's been in college for like seven years. Um, but like, I feel like they're everybody at least in at one point in their life meets somebody who they're just like, how does this person like exist with, without like, just collapsing in on themselves and probably with like lots of drugs. Um, but like he is like, he is like a force of nature in some of these like really good comedies, like the goods that was like yeah. a weird comedy uh, with a great supporting cast where it's just like Jeremy Piven made that movie. Um, yep. It's, it was like specifically like written for his style of comedy um, and his, like the, the line I said at the very beginning of the podcast I forgot it happened in this movie. So you find out David Spade like hates Jeremy Piven's character because they were roommates freshman year. And like, it's also amazing. Like I, the, just thinking about like anybody who's been in college, like you, you had probably, unless you were friend, like you knew the person going in, everyone has some kind of weird dorm story with like somebody they were randomly assigned roommates with so like they obviously didn't get along and then the flashback they showed to illustrate that is like jeremy piven with like a night brace on and <laughs> or um david spade with a night brace on jeremy piven tearing into the room with a girl screaming at him go to sleep why won't you sleep and then david spade just terrified and it's like so goddamn funny i like die of laughter i rewatched it like four times i laughed it's also super hard. accurate that's yeah. super accurate about college like we just the other day fabs and i were like regaling each other with stories about like friends or us who like were each other doing like insane stuff like that when we were yeah. drunk in college no it, i had a like that that party mansion we lived in like where you came and wore that bald cap steve the first yeah. time i met you i yeah. i showed up one night and i screamed who's dealing with me tonight and i had heard like four of my doors slam in the house because i lived with seven guys and i sprinted <laughs> upstairs and i found one roommate who like couldn't get to their door in time 
And so like they had to deal with me that entire night. But yeah, it's like there's always and Tim Gatos, oh my God, this was the story I was telling Steve about. I'll I'll tell this. I've I've grown since then. I'm gonna go now. Yeah. So it's it's funny. So now Tim is the one who is binge drinking during his podcast, and I am a responsible for the most part parent. But Tim was my RA sophomore year of college, and one glorious night I was belligerently drunk. Uh, eating a calzone with my door open. Tim was doing rounds that night and he came and was very nice. And uh, he made me give him half of my calzone for not reporting him, for not reporting me. And then later that night I would uh, pee on my, all of my roommates stuff and wake up in a puddle of, of wetness. So I have two kids. I am proud. <laughs> well, and also like, you know, there's the scene where he is, uh, breaking it or <laughs> jumping into his own room and going nuts. He's also like jumping on top of his cabinet and like <laughs> just going like insane. And I vividly remember like one drunk guy that I was in an elevator with uh, senior year. We got off at the same floor and he immediately jumped up and punched through the ceiling of the, <laughs> of the hallway and just destroyed like the ceiling tiles on in the, in the hallway right by like where my apartment was. And then he also, proceeded to pee on those said destroyed elements and so i think what this movie does really well to bring it back to the movie is like it doesn't even have it it portrays college in a really like interestingly accurate way without even having to embellish it like van wilder is sort of a fantasy type of character you know he doesn't feel real to me and I still like like it, but it it doesn't feel like it's not college to me. PCU is like the college experience because it really is that weird and crazy sometimes. And sometimes you have an insane roommate and, you know, he's he's like (laughs) pissing on your stuff. It's weird and random. That's what PCU does well. Like as I'm thinking about other college movies, this is probably the most accurate portrayal of college. Um, because like back to school, obviously no. Um, I mean, I wish that would be incredible. Um, I mean, maybe one day, Fabs, when you go back to school, you'll yeah. find out how accurate it is. Exactly, I can learn to do that dive. Um, Animal House, like <laughs> not really. Um, I mean, so yeah, I old school, no. Um, I mean, so yeah, this captures that like those like crazy animals you're going to encounter in college, who like for no like explicable reason or just like, I'm going to destroy something tonight because I've been drinking. And (laughs) like, also it captures that, like there was like once a semester, something was in the air where like you would be at a party and the, the responsible people that you usually hung out with who would be like, I'm just going to have a couple of drinks once a quarter though, man, something was in the air where everyone's like, I'm going to blackout drink tonight. (laughs) And like, there are, there are no tomorrows and like, like it was like, it would happen. Like, I don't know why, but it was like, there was like the acknowledgement or you'd see your friend across the room. It's like, tonight's the night. It's the blackout night. Everyone's doing it. Oh man. So some lines that I liked uh, would include, (laughs) no. uh, Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying in terms of it. Yeah. It really does capture, uh, the true college experience, as our friend Kevin uh, used to say. Uh, but yeah, it has that vibe. And the fact that it takes place in, over a single day, um, it's not as 
elevated or exaggerated, I feel, because it's like, this is one big blowout party. And it's like, okay, well, we're not watching, you know, 50 days worth of time. We're watching one day where they do go nuts. So I think that really works. Um, And then, yeah, Piven, I think, is the star of it in terms of the the comedic aspects. I think some other people, you know, carry some weight uh, here and there. But he's got some good stuff, like when Jessica Walters comes in, and she's talking about them throwing 100 pounds of meat uh, at, like, the vegetarians. It's like, oh, that was way more than 100 pounds. And when she first comes in, she also tells him to put out the cigarette. He, like, agrees. Like, he just nods with her, like, oh, yeah, that's the reasonable thing to do. And then just goes back to smoking and reading yeah. his paper. It's right. just, like, real <laughs> subtle stuff, uh, really playful things. This was, like, his, like, sweet spot. Like, he is so good as that, like, third or fourth, you know, like, super assholey swarmy like he he was like so good in like black sheep and tommy boy you know playing playing off of the characters like i love david spade in these types of roles oh spade yeah i was talking about um piven oh i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah from the oh yeah Yeah. okay no but yeah spade spade spot on in this as well too and just really throws himself into being an utter villain uh, I do like but, all the noises that David Spade makes in this, where he's like constantly in this movie, you hear him going like, eh! like, I don't know if you hear that, but like, it's really good. <laughs> There's another really great bit that I love from Piven that's always stuck with me, which is so all the, I think Babs or Steve talked about all the computer people are chasing this kid. All, all the groups are chasing him for one reason or another, but he screwed up all their theses and so it gets to the end and they're having this big kick-ass party. And so everything has to be like fixed for all the different groups sort of. Um, and to fix this issue, one of the things that we learn about Piven's character draws is, you know, he basically has drugs and fireworks and booze and all this stuff. And we, that's established early on that he's, he's basically like red from Shawshank Redemption. Like he knows how to get things, but he, uh, he has all this junk <laughs> in his uh, dorm or whatever. And one of the things he mentions is that he has like theses, like that's brought up very early on. And so then that comes back around again at the end where, okay, we know this guy has like a filing cabinet full of these things. So he's trying to line up what he has with what their majors are. And so, you know, the first person he's able to give them something that fits. And then uh, another person shows up and he asks them what they're majoring in. And the guy goes, Sanskrit. He goes, Sanskrit? You're majoring in a 5,000-year-old dead language? It's like, yeah. Latin. It's the best I can do. And yeah. <laughs> then, then the next person comes up and says that they're majoring in phys ed. And he says, okay, just get out of my room. Get get out of my room. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's just like a lot of solid joke writing, just line-based stuff that I love to see in a comedy. And the callback, though. Like, you just brought that up, Lynn. Like, the fact that what should be it would what would be a throwaway line in most comedies yeah. like oh yeah i sell term papers like and like a bunch of that becomes pivotal to like solving right. one of the like 30 problems that this prefrosh has caused yeah yeah i mean we we talked at the top about how well written uh this is and i think it's worth noting uh there's two writers on this movie and i looked up one of the writers didn't do much else uh didn't do much else work other than this but he did co-write the movie Last Action Hero. Nice. And he, he co-wrote oh, nice. that. He co-wrote that and PCU with the other writer who has gone on to a very sizable career. His name is Zach Penn, and that guy has either scripted or did the story for 
Last act, and this isn't the full list. There's other ones, but I just cherry pick certain ones. Last Action Hero, Ants, X Two, oh. the the second X Men movie, Elektra, X Men: The Last Stand, Incredible Hulk, The Avengers, the first Avengers movie. Oh wow! Uh, Ready Player One, and he's doing the new Suicide Squad with James Gunn, and he's doing the new Matrix movie with one of the Wachowskis. So like, not oh, all wow. the movies on that, that list are like slam dunks. Obviously, Holy some God. of them aren't great. Some of them are great, but the dude has had like a fucking impressive career and like, but this was, I think like after last action hero, I, my guess it said they grew up or they went to college together and it's based on their college experiences. And so my guess is they sold the last action hero script and then they were able to get, you know, their foot in the door and then they got to do PCU. But so this guy has been able to actually get a pretty impressive career. Yeah, I, I know mean, there was exactly. drama with Last Action Hero with the script. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't dig into that, so I don't know if what they wrote got you know significantly altered or anything. But but just the point of like that that this dude for this movie that a lot of people haven't even heard of, he did go on to make the fucking Avengers. That's and insane. All kinds that's of other insane. Stuff. Well, that's the other. That's another reason why it's insane that this movie is not accessible anywhere because that guy Zach Penn is arguably the biggest blockbuster screenwriter in Hollywood at this point. And to not even be able to see one of his earliest films is nuts. Which stars four people who like David Spade has a bunch of Netflix movies coming out. Like John Favreau's huge in also like the Marvel world. So like those two actually have like a deep crossover connection and it's just like mind boggling to me. I think this needs to be our cause. We need to devote our lives to getting this movie. Maybe they have like 10,000 copies that they're selling for like $85 a piece on eBay. So they're just like, this is a better deal than any kind of streaming deal they could have. (laughs) Zach Zach Penn makes $20 million on a script and he's still like selling his his like collection of of PCU DVDs. (laughs) He has like a box in his his storage unit. <laughs> yeah, I saw him at the gallery. I just like in the parking lot trying to hey, hand them $15, out. Hey, $15 a pop, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. I, I just, yeah, that that always baffles me. Yeah, I didn't know that either because, I mean, I, you know, I, I've seen the movie a number of times. It's been a while. And I was digging into stuff, you know, as I was researching a little bit. And I'm always interested in, all right, well, who are these directors? Who are these writers? Have they done anything I've known or you know i've ever heard of and the director like i said at the beginning not not a whole lot and then one of the writers he didn't have a wikipedia page so i had to look him up on imdb and i saw that you know he he eventually stopped so i don't know if he took a different career or whatever but yeah zach penn he has a lengthy filmography and it keeps yeah. on going so where does this like rank for you guys like is this in terms of like college movies Oh, another one we haven't talked about college movies because you're throwing out some titles. One I would defend, it's been years since I saw it, but I think Road Trip is actually pretty good. Oh, yeah. Uh, I forget. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, it had, from my memory, it actually had some pretty smart bits. It definitely has some gross out stuff, which is fine, but like, so it's not all like smart, but I remember it standing out from the crowd. So for me, it's without a doubt, like top three, but I would... I, I, I haven't seen Old Boy or uh, Old School, not Old Boy. Old Boy. <laughs> South Korean film. Very That's different a college movie. College movie. <laughs> I mean, Old Boy's phenomenal, uh, 
but yes, it's not a college film. Uh, but yeah, I haven't seen Old School in years. I was never as big on that, but I'm sure if I watched it, I would enjoy it. Yeah, I, I, I have this behind Animal House for me, probably. I think Animal House is more laugh out loud, funny, and more consistently funny. But I think this is very smart and has a lot going for it and a lot of solid lines and performances. Yeah, I had originally put top 10 and then like as we're talking like oh that's like absurd like obviously I can't even like name 10 college movies American that would Pie be... the Naked Mile. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean so yeah, as we're talking about this like as much as I love old school like I I think this might be number 2 for me as well. Um I mean Animal House, you know, like you don't really have what that genre would become without that movie. But yeah, this movie it, it it's so good. Like it was such a fun like rewatch, man. Like I yeah, I would put this as my second favorite and then old school like third because I, I mean old school obviously like kicked off that like that great stretch of like the Will Ferrell and Vince Vaughn comedies that would that would come after. Um so obviously it was important for that, but and it, you get Jeremy Piven in it. So he's kind of playing a David Spade character in in old school which is like fun to see cuz he's the dean in it. Um right. But I I think this movie just for being an $8 million budget for being like an independent film. I just think the script is too good to like, not have it be like number two. Yeah. I think I, for me, you know, old school's like one of my God tier comedies. That movie just hits me in all the right spots. I have just always loved that movie. I think, I think it's just, I, I think like pound for pound is one of the funniest movies ever made, not just like college comedy. So that one for me is, is number one. I, I'll be honest, like I'm pretty lukewarm on Animal House. I've never like loved it. I've never, th- I, I think I, I like you're saying, Fabs, like I appreciate it for what it is. And, and, and none of these movies exist without it. But eh, I'm kind of, it's not one that I seek out really on a regular basis to rewatch or anything like that. And then it kind of, so it's like, you know, I've got my one in old school and then everything else kind of like is in the mix. You know, like I really enjoy the, like I like American Pie 2 a lot. And that's, kind of a college movie i like i do like van wilder a lot and having never seen pcu until just now i i am i'm pretty sure this will be this is one that is more memorable to me than almost any of the other types of college comedies that i've that are out there um they're all fun in their own way but i feel like this one is one that i'll like quote for years to come and really enjoy and maybe i'll buy the 160 dollar dvd for it <laughs> um yeah I think this could end up being like a number two because there is other than old school, there's never one that I felt rose above the rest is they all kind of follow a pretty similar formula, you know, and, and a lot of them are, you know, going for like the gross out, you know, boobs everywhere type of approach. So uh, old school included. And this one takes that different route and I really appreciate it for it. And, you know, there are other PG 13 college comedies out there like accepted is another one that justin long uh movie where they create their own college um and that one's pretty fun but there's just something about this one that i i think makes it criminally underrated which i guess is the whole point of this podcast so (laughs) that's the ticket oh Um, yeah next week titanic (laughs) should have made three billion (laughs) dollars So, uh, yeah, before we wrap up, I did want to we've, – we've praised it a lot, which I think is deserved. But I did want to see if there was anything that we thought was off 
because uh, on a, you know anytime I'm revisiting, I'm I'm trying to look at something, even something I love, with a critical eye. And I did notice a couple weird things. I'll throw those out to you guys. We can we can discuss a little bit, and then I'm curious if you guys picked up on anything. So one question I had was, why do the people of the pit or balls and shaft specific people of them why do they care all that much about losing or gaining that house because it's established that several of them are seniors draws is a senior <laughs> right is like the, the black friend is a senior there might be other ones but at least those two are established david spade is also said to be uh, a senior and that also raised a question of for me it, it might be yeah, like a fun easter egg thing but draws is presented as being there i think they say six years and they characters say like, oh, you're finally graduating. It, it may have been seven, I'm not sure, but you're finally graduating. But they say he's, what freshman year was the roommate of David Spade. So is that a fuck up? <laughs> or, or is it a subtle thing to be like David Spade who's presenting himself as this like conservative, I know what's best for everyone, like that he's also a fuck up and is bad at school. And that's, so he's been around for six years so I, I didn't know if that was an intentional, like kind of playful thing or if that was a mistake. But so there was that aspect and there was the question of why do either of those groups care? And the best example, uh, best explanation I can come up with is just principle. Like the people of the pit don't want to don't want to see it go to balls and shaft and balls and shaft. Even if you're graduating, they just want to they want to reclaim it. But I did notice that on a rewatch of like, ah, I don't know. That's a little iffy. Yeah, I that's it's funny about the the David Spade connection with freshman year. I didn't I I would probably chalk that up as a as just a joke and a mistake in the writing because yeah. otherwise I I mean yeah, I didn't catch that. So uh there's that and then I get the sense at the end of the movie that like Jeremy Piven somehow would have come back the next fall cuz I and I and I did have that thought as you were saying that I remember having that same thought watching it was like, yeah, like if it's three days before the end of the school year and Jeremy Piven is allegedly graduating. Yeah. It's kind of like, sure, man, like you can have the pit. It's a dump, <laughs> but I think you're right. It's, it's a matter of principle and it's, it's to de defeat the villains more than anything yeah. and to hold on to what's yours because they do, they do love the pit. Um, I thought if I were to like critique it at all, I mean, some of the jokes definitely come off as quaint, when you think about it in terms of all of the raunchy stuff that's come after it, this is a movie that is in 1994. So it's still kind of in that period before you really started to ramp up like the, the, the like, I guess, raunchiness of comedies in Hollywood and where things got really crazy. So I think like if I were to critique it at all, it's like, yeah, some of the jokes kind of feel, I wouldn't say they fall flat, but it's just kind of like, huh, kind of a chuckle. You're like, okay, that was nice. You know, it feels a little dated. Uh, like I said, a little quaint, but I could feel that way about animal house where mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, some of these jokes don't fly yeah. for me 40 years later or whatever it is now, but it doesn't mean I, I, I try to put it in that lens of that year right. that it, of when it came out. So that's really my only, not even a gripe, but if I had to take a critical eye to it rather than just endlessly praising yeah. it, that would be, how I look at it. Babs? Um, yeah, I think uh, the groups that are chasing him don't necessarily hold up the best. Like, I think there could have been, because uh, I think there's super solid, like, consistent writing, and it's, like, 
a consistently funny movie. I just thought the groups weren't like I get I get it like for the time, um, but I just don't think the groups really held up that well um, in terms of like the groups that you would have now uh, that would be chasing the prefresh. And I wish there would have been a little more oomph with the with like the president with the dean character and just i i I think it was just like budget uh constraints obviously but that like just the final bicentennial it it just felt like you're building up you have this great party sequence like this great set piece you're building up to this like bicentennial and it like that scene kind of falls flat in terms of like the set piece it's just like oh some lawn chairs and like here's a like elevated stage. stage Yeah. yeah, like I thought like that it, part. It needs to, I, I would agree with that. It, it should be huge. It should be like the parade in Animal House. Like not necessarily Ex- do yeah. the parade, yes. but it should feel like that. Yeah, exactly. That was like a noticeable like, because in my mem- memory, it was like, oh, the last scene is the party. Like George Clinton, that's like, that's the, that's the exclamation point on this movie. Um, And then it was like, oh no, there is that sequence yeah. with the Bicentennial. But then it's just like, oh, this is, okay, this is like a very like, thrown together bicentennial sequence uh yeah, like the does, writing was fine feel, but yeah. I, I agree with you on a rewatch it did feel kind of like an epilogue or an afterthought like you get to the party and you feel like well they've won they got the money and and the to the script's credit they do the kind of pull the rug out from under you of like well yeah you got the money but you still lose because of all these complaints and it's like all right i'll give you credit for that on the script like all right that's yeah. a good it's been built in the script and it's but yeah, I agree that if you're going to do that and the party is not the end and the party was big, then you need to have, I, I think the stuff at the end plays okay. I think there's some fun and interesting bits, but yeah, I, I would agree. It should be enormous. And it's, yeah. yeah. Um, the only other bits that I thought stuck out, because once I read that article, you know, thinking about it politically, I was trying to think about how the pit operated and the politics within the movie, because I don't think the pit comes off the people, of the pit come off particularly bad, but I do think there are two sequences or two moments where I was like, eh, where if it were being written today, I don't know. I mean, one isn't like awful, but it's just things where I feel like you could do something better or it, it, it casts a bad tone. So one is when Jessica Walters is reading off a list of things that they did, one of the complaints was that they installed speed bumps on the handicap ramps. And like the characters of Pitt are kind of like, ha yeah, we did that. But watching that like now, it's kind of like, well, that is kind of fucked up. Like it, it doesn't make them seem like, ah, oh, a bunch of fun loving guys. It's like, well, that's, that's, that's just a bad thing. You know, it's like, so it's one thing yeah, when they goofing on people, but that's like yeah the same like thing when they threw the meat i was even kind of like that's that's my other example is like so the yeah. if you haven't seen the movie early on when they meet the prefrosh they're trying to get to the lunch room and uh the cafeteria is like being blocked off by these vegetarians and so they like kind of weasel their way in pretending to be one of the vegetarians and it plays pretty well and then they get in there and they like basically break into the kitchen and then they're like i don't know several floors up and they just start pelting the vegetarians with meat. And it's presented raw in meat. this very... What's that? <laughs> yeah. raw, meat. Raw, raw meat. Yeah, and it's presented in this very, like, it's crazy, a college comedy, guys. And, like, we're like they're having a good time, and we're supposed to have a good time. And then they 
they run, you know, and that's, that's the thing that kicks off the pre-frosh is like they, people of the vegetarians realize he was part of it. And so that's what kicks off him and different groups chasing him and shit. So it works as a story beat, but as far as we're supposed to like the pit people and we're supposed to identify with them, that's one of the major goofs that they do, especially real early on. And it's like, there's not a whole lot of justification for this. Like basically like sure. you couldn't get to the cafeteria, which sucked, but you did get through you, 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 you got there and now you're just pelting people with raw meat. Like <laughs> the thing way later at the end, when Piven locks all the young Republicans and all the rich college people inside and steals all their booze and plays afternoon delight like that's a much more like oh okay you got them that's a great prank but the thing with the raw meat i felt like is like these guys are seeming like our heroes here screenwriters yeah yeah (laughs) it's mean and just like wasteful it's like why are you like why are you even doing that yeah also they destroy jeremy piven you learn at the end of this movie they they think they're destroying david spade's I think convertible at BMW, yeah. I think. Yeah. And, and it turns out that he actually destroyed like his girl, his, you know, ex-girlfriend's aunt's Beamer. And yeah. so it's like, it's like, Oh, that, that's a real shitty thing you did. And so you guys that, did reconnect, that but that one I'll give them just because they, they thought they were destroying true, the villain's true. car. Right. Yeah. Right. But pretty they didn't soon. didn't think they were doing anything good with the meat. though. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> true that is true all right so um any final thoughts before we wrap up i'll just put out there that this movie also brought us mud honey's cover of pump it up which is fantastic and i love that gets played in the on the soundtrack oh i had no idea yeah any what's other... is there a like do you, is the can you find the soundtrack he for has this the movie vinyl somewhere he has the vinyl. oh i i no, i just <laughs> i just mean like well yeah, they might have released it on their own album or something, but it's a it's a cover of an Elvis Costello song. But right. I always knew it from PCU. It's just a fun, like, you know, kind of rocking, upbeat song. So it, it plays at least once in the movie. I think during the Frisbee scene. I will say it is it I I'm gonna have to check out that song specifically. Uh but also you can there is a CD that you can buy from PCU for the soundtrack. It's $6, about four thousand dollars. <laughs> so for like wow. two hundred dollars, you can get the DVD and the CD of this of this movie. <laughs> like, That's crazy. <laughs> hey, we all got stimulus checks, baby. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, I like this movie is great. Like, if you haven't seen it and you like any kind of like college movie, it it's awesome. It's also like really fun. I love watching those like movies where a bunch of people end up being like pretty big stars years later from the movie it's like really fun to see when you know like they're young and like making mistakes as actors and like doing crazy things and it, it's just like really great and the movie is like laugh out loud funny like it's 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 not one of those like there's i mean there's a, a few moments that are like time period time pieces um but like it genuinely just holds up and is a really funny movie steve you uh you recommend pcu Yes, uh, I absolutely recommend PCU as someone who now is a uh, recently converted believer, uh, having now seen the movie on a site that 
no doubt someone used to hack into my bank account. So as soon as I get that all sorted out, I'll feel a lot better. But Yakov's movie number one dot com. <laughs> Excellent movie time dot dot, uh, you know, X X or X R O somehow some it's some like thing I've never heard of. <laughs> It's the old like Soviet Union logo. You can't create it <laughs> yeah. on your keyboard. Yeah. So someone hacked into my bank account to buy that uh, soundtrack and uh, DVD on Amazon. But I the two couple two final thoughts I have, other than just saying that like this movie is really fun and awesome, and you should find a way to see this. Um, two college movies that I actually think I would put pretty high that I didn't mention that I think we should at least mention here is. House Bunny and Legally Blonde are two. Oh, Legally Blonde for sure. Yeah. Like, I think that, I think Legally Blonde is a classic. And then House Bunny has tons of great bits in it that uh, I, I I will quote to my sister all the time because, like, she and I love that movie. And so it's a, it's pretty high up on the list for me. So those, uh, I would say, stick out to me more than some of those other ones. So I definitely wanted to make sure that those got mentioned. Good call. Um, and and then I think this movie is fantastic because this will stick with me forever. And I'll and I'll tell this <laughs> to my kids when they go to college. Jeremy Piven's advice to the prefrosh at the beginning of this movie is excellent. I, the, I lived by it in college. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know it yet. Yeah, uh, no classes before eleven. Uh, I don't. I won't quote this perfectly at all. But it's no classes before eleven. Make beer, 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 beer drink a lot friend. of it. it beer, beer is your, your friend. friend. Beer is your friend. Drink a lot of it. Um, the girl's line, whatever. That one's kind of whatever. But then the third one is find someone on your floor who has a card. Make friends with them on the first day. Yep. Those are three absolutely tremendous pieces of advice that will get you very far in college. So yeah, just, I, just like uh, just like when I got to see George Clinton my freshman year, uh, Piven's line of nothing before 11 was something that every time I scheduled classes for the next quarter would be on my mind. Like I did have some classes at 10 and I think I maybe had one or two ever at eight that were awful, you know, just being there that early. And I think I was like, I had to based on whatever it was or I had to fit something in, but yeah, I was pretty much, pretty much always 11 noon, one, two o'clock, whatever. So yeah. like I lived by that very much. So <laughs> I had one class at 8am in my entire college career and it was a calculus class in my second oh. quarter of being a freshman. And it, I, I did, I failed the first test in the first week and I switched my entire major because of it. <laughs> like I just, I got, I got, I got the test back and I just got up and walked straight to the like registrar's office and switched. It was like, I'm out. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> Steve was going to be a surgeon, everyone. <laughs> uh, yeah. I couldn't cut it <laughs> two months in. Oh, that's a good, good play on words. So, oh. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so yeah, I mean, I, I I think it's pretty clear from discussing with these boys that I'm definitely a fan of PCU. I probably haven't watched this movie since college. I'm, I'm almost positive I would have watched it at some point, maybe like freshman year or something. Maybe randomly caught it on TV or Comedy Central, but it's one that's been in my giant collection of DVDs, but I haven't revisited, and that's part of the fun of doing this show is 
going back to some stuff that I've watched in the past or that I know I have a connection to and being like, oh, well, I want to look at this and, you know, see if it still works, see what it's all about. So yeah, PCU, I am glad to say, does still hold up, does still have a lot of really good lines, a lot of good funny bits, and is uh, surprisingly smartly written, which is not something I would have picked up on when I was watching it at 10 or 11. So PCU is a big thumbs up, and we will be back next time with a very different film. We will be watching the 2004 movie Strings, which is an all-marionette fantasy movie that uh, is European in origin, like four different countries co-finance it, and it went over budget. So we'll have a... <laughs> and it stars oh. Jeremy Piven. <laughs> this is all Jeremy Piven cult movies. <laughs> uh, but we will have uh, a whole new crew to be discussing that one, and yeah, we will be looking at strings. So until then... <laughs>